What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporthouse. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Got a, I, you know, I have a couple of opinions about what happened this past weekend in sports. So let's go ahead and get started. Start off the Columbia, we'll, we'll start off in Columbia, Missouri, where the University of South Carolina lost to the Missouri Tigers with a final score of 13 to 34. In this game, we're going to go ahead and start with Kelly, then we'll hit Ryan Alinsky second. Kelly didn't have a particularly good game passing the ball. I mean, his stats went 19 for 33 for 227 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So if you look at that, you're like, I mean, it wasn't his best day, but he could have had worse. But it was just like kind of the fact that all his passes were, for a, a large portion of the game, a lot of his passes were like going kind of behind the receivers. And like you could tell sometimes the receiver got a little frustrated. And Kelly knew he could play better than that too. So he was a little frustrated too. Because I mean, don't forget, Kelly Bryant took Clemson to the playoff and they lost to Alabama. But at the same time, who would not have lost to Alabama? So don't take like, so not best game from Kelly, but I'll tell you what, running the ball, he had a very good performance. He had 17 carries for 77 yards. I think this is probably the most he's ran run the ball. At least carries-wise. He might have had more yards in another game. But definitely carry-wise, 17 carries for 77 yards. That's like a running back stat line. And then as a running back, you want to at least average about four yards a carry. So, you know, just to get some yardage and get closer to the sticks. He had 4.5. So... And this did, but that definitely put strain on the defensive coordinator for University of South Carolina, which is T. Rob, because now you have to account for another running back, and he could also throw it off because he's a quarterback. So that was Kelly Bryant for the day. That team has a lot of transfers. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Nance, if if pretty sure Jonathan Nance uh, came from the University of Arkansas, so him and Kelly's probably been developing that chemistry since both of them were transfer uh, students at the University of Missouri. Uh, in case, I don't think I talked about last week, University of Missouri is on a postseason ban, so they cannot play in the postseason, no matter how well they play in the season. I thought that was kind of interesting because in that case, Kelly went there after they re- revealed this information. They were allowing all players to transfer out if they wanted to, or at least just letting Kelly transfer out since he had just gotten there. But he, uh, from what I understand, it was like that's not even the worst thing for Kelly because it's like then he can go and prepare for the NFL draft once the season's over besides having to stay around and participate in bowl, bowl practices and things of that nature. But Kelly's got a long way to go because especially the film of what I just saw and then losing early in the season, I'm pretty sure that that was to North Dakota State. I could be wrong, but I think that's North Dakota State. With losing to them, it's like the scouts want to see y'all winning those games, especially, you know, being an SEC East uh, program. But... We'll see what happens. Now, with the University of South Carolina, that was, uh, it, it really, you know, the US, for the USC fans, it, it's really tough. Uh, you now start the season one and three. The University of South Carolina has lost six straight games to Power 5 opponents. That is something you expect from, no offense, but like from like South Carolina State or, you know, a Division One AA. But if you're in the SEC, you're supposed to be beating Power 5 opponents sometimes. It's not just supposed to be like you going out there and getting murked by those guys. But that's what happened. Helensky apparently had an elbow injury, which I would say the university did a very good job of keeping that information in that football facility because I didn't figure out about it to right before game time. There was some rumors going around on Saturday, but I had no idea. But the way that ball was coming out and how late it was because Helensky is so accurate we all knew something was up we just didn't know exactly what it was and we didn't know really to after the game to just confirm because uh Muschamp is never going to like really release if he doesn't let's put it like this and I guess it's common sense if he doesn't want information released he's not it's not gonna get out there unless somebody in the program kind of like lets it kind of go out a little bit but I guess because Zelensky's like 
it seemed like the state of South Carolina, or at least in Columbia, were kind of protecting Holinsky at all costs. So we're making sure nothing gets out there. But yeah, so he went 13 for 30 for 166 yards. Now, I will tell you that one of those, uh, 75 of those yards were a uh, reception for were him throwing it to Brian Edwards and Brian taking the 75 yards. So besides that, you're looking at the numbers. That's not a particularly good passing day, and it kind of explains the final score, to be honest with you. Yeah, so it really stinks. Like I said before, it kind of stinks right now. You're a Gamecock. It's just like, man, we're one and three. Like, what are we going to do? Hopefully we get this thing started. And then to make matters worse, they play another SEC. And this is actually the lighter part of their schedule. Their schedule is about to get brutal here in a hurry. But the Gamecocks host Kentucky. Uh, this is Saturday, 7.30 p.m., a night game in Willie B. So that will be exciting. But USC has lost the last five in this series against Kentucky. So they're going to need to pull something out right here. A lot of people are saying this is like one of the biggest games for Muschamp in like his career because it's like, yo, like you got your recruits and stuff in here. We need wins. So we're going to see if he can get it done there. Uh, also, I've noticed people are starting to come at Ray Tanner about his job saying he's hiring their own people. So I know Ray will probably be sending uh, Muschamp a little message and a little email saying like, yo, let me, let's make sure we get this thing straight because now they're coming after me too. And I'm pretty sure... Ray Terry doesn't have nearly the buyout that Muschamp has, so they need to get that established. Also, to make matters work, the state ran a headline in the Sunday's paper reading Helensky Hope Sinks, and that is so bad because Helensky Hope is a, I'm pretty sure it's a nonprofit organization. Whenever Helensky's older, older brother committed suicide dealing with mental health problems, and so his family decided to create a like a program thing i don't program in the word i want to use here an organization like yeah like i said organization an organization trying to help people with mental they're battling mental health problems because you know right now we're dealing with a lot not like we but like it's a constant problem that we're having in society and so the fact that the the state would run that as a headline and kind of use the football thing with that and then talk bad it just was it's a really bad look and i'm pretty sure somebody's gonna get fired so we're definitely going to see where that goes. Hopefully the University of South Carolina can put something together as they face the Wildcats. Now we're going to move to the upstate where Clemson played the UNC Charlotte. Clemson won that game, of course, 52-10. to 10. No surprise there. Uh, we had Trevor Lawrence who had who went 7 for 9 for 94 yards and two touchdowns. That I don't think Trevor Lawrence has probably not thrown 94 yards since his probably I would say six or seven playing Pop Warner in Georgia like when you look at it that's like what is going on here but obviously they didn't really need him for this game uh it was a it was a dominant Clemson show and the Tigers Tigers really don't have any other competition until they play USC this season maybe another maybe another ACC team ACC Atlantic team they'll play might you know be like yo let's hey we're gonna give it all for this game and maybe they'll come a little bit closer but you can pretty much expect to see this from Clemson so we're not going into too many details about that but I did find something that was kind of interesting on Twitter Chuck in Atlanta is the guys who account anyway Dabble Sweeney has now been head coach at Clemson for 150 games his record is his record at Clemson is 120 and 30. What's really amazing is that he was 19 to 15 after 34 games, which includes a six and seven record in 2010. That was the year that 2010 is the year that Cam Newton won the national championship and the Heisman, to put that in perspective. And since then, he is 101 and 15 from 2011 to present. That's insane. It's being the fact that Clemson was like an average program for so long and Dabble like was able to come in and get this thing rolling and of 101 and 15, he will have a statue. He will go into the College Football Hall of Fame. He'll have a statue outside of Clemson. 
Like, that's amazing for uh, the university. Well, Clemson, I think it's Clemson CU. So, for Clemson University, and that's like Nick Saban type. Uh, Nick Saban type record, definitely an all-time great, and I don't see that reign at Clemson ending anytime soon. I will tell you, it's something that's kind of interesting in society, in world history, that empires always fall, and it's never a good, like, it's never like a good fall, like a slow decline. It's always like something they fall off a mountain. I just don't see that happening anytime soon uh, for the Clemson Tigers, but all we'll do is we'll just keep waiting to see what happens. Now, we're going to move south of South Carolina to Georgia, where they face Notre Dame in Athens. I think Sanford Stadium is what they call it. Uh, the University of Georgia won that game 23-17. to You know, Georgia, Georgia, first of all, is crazy athletes. But sometimes by watching the games, you'll never really realize this. Because, you know, Georgia's going to round and pound. They, they get offensive linemen that like to run block. And then they got running backs that love to run the ball. And they got a game manager, Jake Fromm, who's actually, I think a lot of people don't really give him the respect he deserves he went 20 for 26 so folks that means when he's warming up in that game pre-game like he then like it was pretty much like that for him during the game like most balls were completed he only has six incompletions for 187 yards and a touchdown like i told you and the thing about georgia is they have great athletes so when they need them they use them besides that we'll just run the ball ground and pound for the uh the whole game if you will now one thing that hurt notre dame was they were not able really to get a they were not able to get a ground game established. They were the number 10 team in the country heading into this game, and Georgia was at number three. And with that, that really put a lot of pressure on their quarterback to be able to throw the ball around a lot. He threw 47 passes. He completed 29 of them for 275 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. So, and their leading rusher had only had 21 yards. So that goes to tell you right there. But the, the bigger thing about this uh, game was the environment. Athens had it going on at the University of Georgia on Saturday night. This was a Saturday night game on CBS, which is a rare thing. So they put out all the stops. They even let more students in than usual. It was dark at kickoff, not kickoff, but when a visiting team was walking in. So imagine it's like 95,000 on hand and you're a visiting team. It's not a lot of y'all. It's like maybe 75 y'all because, you know, you can't travel with so many guys. And you're walking the stadium, it's dark. And you see the red flashing lights and then the fans lighting it up. And, and the University of Georgia comes walking it, running out. And Georgia's, those guys are huge. It's a really good strength conditioning program. So these guys are absolutely huge. And this, if nothing else, is intimidating, A. And for recruits who are out there, they're uh, basically, if you have a scholarship to the University of Georgia and you're sitting there watching this, it's like, why would I not want to come play at this school? Like this, I could have all this. This is like, like if I want, I can be a part of this. And I'm gonna say no. Yeah, they got definitely probably took some serious, uh, major steps forward in recruiting, and I'm sure some players committed because that atmosphere was absolutely electric. In other news, Texas, uh, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State was the only team that kind of been like, once again, like one of those thorns in the side of the University of Texas. But Texas was able to take care of business, uh, 30, the final score of 36 to 30. And so Texas is 3-1, and one, and I'm pretty sure Texas and Oklahoma are going to end up playing the Big 12 championship game. They will also play later in the season at the Cotton Bowl. But, yeah, so Sam Ellinger is leading the Texas Longhorns, and he had 20. He went 20 for 28, which is a similar stat line to Jake Fromm, for 281 yards and four touchdowns and one interception. So uh, horns up if you're a Texas fan. If you're not, you probably hate them, but that's fine. You'll be rooting for Oklahoma later in the season to dethrone them again like LSU did. 
Speaking of LSU, LSU won the won 66-38 against the University of Vanderbilt. Okay, when is the last time that you remember the uh, University or well, LSU putting 66 points on the board? It never happened, and they've had talent like Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill, all those guys. Odell Beckham, I almost forgot him. How do you forget Odell Beckham? But they put up 66 points against, even though it's just Vanderbilt, that's still an SEC team. With a Derek Mason, I'm pretty sure Derek Mason's still the head coach out there. So the fact that they're able to do that, that's what teams usually put up against like Division Division One FCS opponents. I was about to say Division Two, but they don't play Division Two teams. At least uh, most Division One teams don't. But anyway, LSU's legit. I would this game that they have cooking up here against Alabama in I think a month or two is going to be absolutely insane. Because right now it really looks like LSU, especially based off the competition they play, they might be the best team in the country. The only thing about that though is whenever you start hyping people up, that's usually when they disappoint you. That's kind of how college football goes. But Joe Burrow, they, who is their quarterback. Through had to, he went 25-34, 398 yards, six touchdowns, and yeah, I mean this is what can be expected out of this year's LSU team, and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm really I, I could get tickets to that LSU Alabama game, I would, but I won't, so I'll watch it on TV like everybody else. Their offensive coordinator Steve S. Minger is like the goat right now over there in Baton Rouge because like they've like I said before they've had talent, they just have never been able to win like they're winning right now, so. Definitely keep an eye on LSU. Jump on the bandwagon. Go ahead and go to Fanatics. Fanatics should be giving me a sponsorship. They're not for this, so whatever. But they, y'all should go ahead and get your LSU gear because this is like one of their best years. And I don't know. I feel like Joe, I don't know if Joe Burrow, wait, I think he might be a senior this year. I know he transferred from Iowa State. But regardless, he ain't going to be here for long. Um, as right now, he's playing better than Trevor Lawrence. So as soon as he's eligible for the draft, I think he already is. But if he's not, he'll be going as soon as he's eligible. So LSU fans, uh, get on him now because he's, he's the best quarterback y'all have had here in a while. Um, staying in SEC, Auburn went to College Station to face the Texas A&M Aggies. And they won the game 28-20. to Bo Nix, I'm tell you what, this brother just gets the job done. They win, I mean, but he's just going to get the job done. Well, first of all, Auburn put 14 points up in the first quarter, so they came out hot. LSU didn't even, I mean, Texas A&M didn't even put up a touchdown until the fourth quarter, which is where they put up 17, which is great to finish a game with 17 points, but you still lose the game. But anyway, like I was saying about Bo Nix, uh, 12, 12 throws, I mean, he threw about 20 times, 12 completions, 100 yards. That is, that's not what you expect. Like, usually you see that stat line from quarterback, you're like, oh, they lost. But Bo Nix, he's getting the job done. He's got Auburn the number seven team in the country right now. They are undefeated. He's beaten Oregon. Bo Nix, as a freshman, has beaten Oregon. And they have beaten Texas A&M, who is under Jimbo Fisher. So kudos to him. I mean, he's just getting the job done, and they just keep winning. And this is going to keep Gene Chiswick with his head coaching job. And, they're just going to keep rolling in the SEC West, but that schedule will get tough. And they will play. And since they're in the SEC West, they will play LSU. And then obviously they'll play Alabama in the Iron Bowl. So they're just going to keep on trying to win. I'm sure the folks at Tumor's Corner, even though I think those trees are about to be, have been poisoned, so they are coming down. They're going to keep throwing the tissue on the tree and they're going to keep winning games and uh, seeing that their luck can uh, keep going. One thing that kind of interesting to note about Auburn is they are. Auburn is one of them programs that whenever their school is up, they are seriously up. They're super excited. It actually is a lot like Clemson, from what I understand, the campus and their football program kind of in a way, in a way. As a matter of fact, the offensive coordinator used to be at Clemson, Chad Morris. 
he came up under Gene Chizik. So they are very similar coaching styles. But yeah, so Auburn's campus is a little bit like Clemson. Obviously, I just think I think Auburn might have. Well, they probably have. Yeah, they probably got, I think they have the same amount of national championships for both schools too. So that's something to note. Uh, the University of Utah, Utah University. I never really know about those, but they lost to the University of Southern Cal, which is so sad because Utah. It's like every year they get everybody excited, like this is our year to make it to the college football playoff. And they lose to Southern Cal. Not to mention Southern Cal starting quarterback went out hurt. When this is not like their season opener starter quarterback, that guy's already hurt. So now they were on their third string and they still beat Utah. So Utah is again a pretender. And I still feel as if they, hopefully at one year, they'll make it to the college football playoff. And they're not out of it this year. But hopefully one year they'll make it to the playoff. But it looks like that year is going to be another, not this year. Um... I don't know. It's kind of like sad. It's like y'all still can't beat Southern Cal. Like even when Southern Cal is down, they still can't beat them. So it's like if y'all can't beat Southern Cal, forget it. Y'all not going to beat a Clemson or Georgia or any of those other teams. So, But Utah, I hope they'll be like Washington, just kind of stick their nose in things every year, just stay on to stay relevant because we need the whole country to be good. I think the – but I personally believe that Utah's had their best days when they when Urban Meyer was there. And I think they had an undefeated season. If I'm not 100% sure. I'll, I'll check on that. But, yeah, so I think that's when they had their best season. Now to this NFL, Antonio Brown was released on Friday from the New England Patriots. Antonio Brown, and he's, but I'm happy for him because now he's enrolled to Central Michigan, which is where he went to college at. He's going to go pursue that degree of his. I don't think he, I don't, I think he left in three years. So now he'll be able to go back and pursue it and try to get that. And I don't know what the brother's going to do. I'm sure another team would be willing to give him a shot because he's that talented, and that's how sports work. If you're talented, it doesn't really matter about your discipline. You can have charges. It doesn't really matter because in the grand scheme of things, those people are trying to – those owners are trying to win Super Bowls. But it is what it is. Uh, the Patriots didn't really need him. They end up rolling and beating the Jets 30-14. to 14. I mean, the, the Patriots really – it's a luxury to have Antonio Brown, who's the best receiver in the game. But they don't need it. I mean, Tom Brady threw uh, completed 28 passes for 306 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was a luxury. But one thing I don't get about Antonio is if he could have just chilled out for 48 more hours of, because what he ended up doing, he, he kind of sent these like some type of threatening messages, what they want to call them, to one of the people who are accusing him of the whole sexual assault deal. Uh, because, you know, a second report kind of came out of it on a different person. But he he basically sent it was in a group message and he sent the girls like name and she he included her in it, like her phone number in it, so she was seeing it. And then he was basically telling people to go research her and stuff like that. And so it came off in in the grand scheme of things as that he was uh bullying her, almost bullying her, trying to intimidate her. So she sent a grievance to the NFL. And Bill Belichick just kind of got sick of every time he goes to a press conference, had to answer questions about Antonio Brown, not even football related, but on some. Oh, he's doing this off the field. He's doing this off the field. Like, they don't need the distraction. But anyway, if Antonio Brown could have just been cool for 48 more hours without being in headlines, he would have had a $5 million guarantee that was going to have to be owed to him. And whenever he was in Oakland, if he would just been cool for 24 more hours and just stayed on the roster until opening day, he would have had a $30 million guarantee. So I, I, I'm kind of with Shannon Sharp on this one. I really don't know if he can, can control it. 
like I think this is really like a problem and he kind of just needs some people in his circle to kind of be like yo like Antonio like we like let's help you real quick like and I know usually change is uncomfortable or help sometimes because like they have to get to the bottom of it but this thing is costing you a lot of money as well as as I said last week a deal with Nike and it costs you an endorsement with the helmet company so at this point like somebody in his circle has got to help him but as Shannon said and I don't like to quote Shannon too much because I don't want to use all of his content but Shannon's like, but what a lot of times what happens if Antonio's on, if all you guys are on Antonio's payroll, you check him, he might get you, he might kick you off. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if you're in his friend group, he might be like, okay, well, you're out and you're kind of out of luck because that was your, that was where you were getting your income. But at the same time, if he's fired and lose all his endorsements, y'all aren't getting paid anyway. So somebody got to check him. Maybe, hopefully somebody who's not even dependent upon him as far as finances, maybe like an old coach or something. But speaking of those New York Jets that beat them, they just signed Vincent Smith, who was a former standout at Limestone College. He played with the Houston Texans last year. I was actually out there. I met him uh, at Ridgeview High School uh, maybe a couple months ago this summer. But anyway, so the Jets signed him off of the... uh, off of the Houston Texans practice squad. So that's exciting. They're with Demaris Thompson, another one of their receivers being out. They're looking to acquire some talent. And Vincent has proven himself on the NFL stage in the regular season, which is big for uh, you know practice squad guys. So look out for that. The Giants uh, won. They beat Tampa Bay. I feel so bad for Jameis Winston. Like, Jameis, like, this is this is so disappointing for him. But nonetheless, Daniel Jones got the start over Eli Manning, and he produced 23 for 36 with 336 yards and two touchdowns. And I know he's looking at Baker Mayfield right now. Like, and you said that, and like, his base, basically Baker was like, yo, that's not even a good pick. And it's like, wow, Daniel Jones is, is out here. First start wins the game. And he's basically, I think he has the same record as Baker Mayfield right now. So that's a complete slap in the face. But Baker, but Daniel's not type to call anybody else out i don't know him personally like i'm out i'm over here talking like i know him i don't really know him but he just doesn't seem like that kind of seem like he really a lot like eli manning i'm gonna say less and do more and we'll see what happens but with him being now the starter they have unfortunately lost saquon barkley he'll be out for four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain so that is definitely unfortunate for the giants um it just don't get good in New York. Between them Giants and the Jets, like, uh, it must be a curse in MetLife. Like, if you, it's just, it's just sad. I really look for Jamal Adams to get out there, out of there. Like, I know he wants to rebuild the whole Jets thing. And he, the reason I'm talking about the Jets because they play in New York just like the Giants. But it's just like, I would love to see him play in a different place. Like, a place that gets, that, is, that doesn't have such as bad a luck and that won't take forever to rebuild. So I like to go see his talents being taken someplace else. Like, I don't know, a main market. Oh, well, obviously New York is a main market. But maybe just like a Kansas City or something. You know, let's just get him out of the Jets. Let's, y'all just trade him. Obviously, don't listen to me. I'm not a good GM because I'm extremely biased. Nonetheless, moving right along, the game that was Sunday night football was the Cleveland Browns versus the Rams. Cleveland lost the game 20-13. to 13. <sighs> I am a very big, like, I don't really have a team per se. In order for me to be a good analyst, I need to be unbiased. I like players. Odell Beckham is probably, I'm going to say he's probably my favorite player in the NFL. And so I'm following him. So I guess the Browns are my team this year. Our offensive line is absolutely horrible. We, I, I love the fact that we got Odell. Well, I'm an Odell fan. So I'm, I'm so glad they brought us with them. I guess you could say us. 
But if it was gonna call, it was if I knew that it would have been that detrimental to our offense line, I'd be like, just leave him in New York. Just leave. We'll stay in New York and we'll fight with Eli, Eli, and now Daniel Jones because the Baker was getting sacked so much is ridiculous to the point where he's seeing ghosts. And if you don't really know football, seeing ghosts man, there's no, there's not even somebody coming at you. But because you're so used to, it, it's almost like muscle memory of somebody trying coming to sack you, like usually coming free. You're just running all, like you're just running all together. Wade Phillips does an excellent job with that Rams defense, and so that was. Was, that is what was happening last night, and it was like if 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 Baker did not know where to go with that ball within two seconds of it being snapped, it was a bad play. And then the whole halfback delay on a fourth and nine that infuriated me. I was tweeting during the game. I'm like, I cannot stand the Browns play calling. Freddie Kitchens needs to hire an offensive coordinator and teach him like what he likes to do, I guess you could say, and then just let that guy do it. Because right now with him being a head coach and offensive coordinator, it's not working. And I'm trying to see the Browns in the playoffs. I'm about to go ahead and order this Baker May, I mean, uh, this Odell Beckham player t-shirt, and I need for us to be winning. So, and I need to get that watch too, but I can't afford that right now. It's a different story for a different day. But yeah, so Odell played relatively well. Whenever Baker was actually able to get the ball out, he had six catches for 56 yards. He had a nice 20-yard uh, catch. And Jarvis went three for 62. But Baker's also been throwing the ball behind his receivers a lot. And we don't expect this from Baker because Baker is all about accuracy. But, yeah, he he struggled. He went 50, 50% of the times he let that ball go, uh, it hit his receiver's hands. He went 18 for 36 for 195 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. I heard a commentator say Cooper Cup must be Mitch because Cooper Cup is the receiver for the Rams. He was straight balling yesterday, uh, last night. I like him a lot. I don't know. And one thing I've noticed is Todd Gurley does not look like the same backup that we've always seen Todd Gurley. It seems like he's got a little bit slower things. I know he has knee arthritis, but most guys in the NFL do have some form of arthritis. So that I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something psychological. Psychological. Psych, however you say that. But yeah, he only went 14 for 43 yards, and that was a little bit uh, not upsetting because obviously I was going for the Browns, but that was just something definitely to notice. So we're going to see what happens. Cleveland, I'm pretty sure next week play the Rams. No, no, not the Rams. They play the Rams this week. They play the Ravens next week, I'm pretty sure. And that would be a divisional showdown, and it's time for us to get this thing going. I need Odell to have more of those long catches, but in order for that to happen, I need the offensive line to block. Or bring it's the NFL, fire them and bring in some new ones. I know that sounds real cutthroat, but that's how this business is anyway. So let's make it work to our advantage. Now we're going to say with the young quarterbacks with the Houston Texans playing the Los Angeles Chargers, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. That is also my other favorite player, Deshaun Watson. I don't know if you saw the NFL countdown uh, where they showed him and his trainer, Quincy Avery, who's also his friend. Uh, they went all across the world this offseason, traveling around, just spreading the game of football, which is so wonderful. But anyway, the Texans won 27-20. Deshaun Watson went 25-34 for 351 yards and three touchdowns. Deshaun is elite. What what more is there to say? The Dabble called him Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, excuse me. He called him Michael Jordan football, and a lot of people were like, what? But Deshaun's legit. He, I can't wait till he gets his huge contract. I can get his player t-shirt, too. So if the Browns keep disappointing me, I can always rock with uh, Houston. You know, I like Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well, who had six catches for 67 yards. But And, you know, one thing I noticed about these Houston Texans, they signed Kenny Steele's when they got that left tackle from the Miami 
And they, I swear, Miami couldn't get nothing out of Kenny Stills. And he's gotten to Houston. Him and Deshaun have gotten this, like, chemistry that it's like, yo, I just throw it up and y'all already know where you're going to be at. So I'm loving Kenny Stills in Houston, and he's a great player. He's averaging this past week. He had four catches for 89 yards. Every time it's a 22-yard average, obviously, every time he didn't catch the ball, he did not go 22 yards. But that's the average. So I'm loving Kenny Stills. This seems like the place he's supposed to be at right now. He's kind of taking some of Will Fuller catches, what I've noticed. But as long as the winning keeps going, I'm I'm good with it. And also, Duke Johnson looks like he has new life in um, Houston now that he's left Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Patrick McCombs is doing Patrick McCombs-type stuff leading his team which was a big showdown the AFC he led the Kansas City Chiefs 33 to 28 over the Baltimore Ravens the Ravens tried to come back at the end but you don't come back well I guess the Patriots did last year in the AFC championship but generally you don't come back on Patrick McCombs 27 for 37 for 374 yards and three touchdowns you have got to love Patrick McCombs um yeah, I mean, they'll play that in the AFC Championship game. It'll be them versus the Patriots. And we're, I'm hoping that they, Jalen Ramsey, that the, what is that? The Jaguars let go or trade him to Kansas City. So, therefore, that'll be a great duel out. But right now, Jalen, speaking of Jalen Ramsey, he is out sick and isn't practicing. He I think he had flu-like symptoms. And so, he's trying to get traded. They're trying to hold on to him. I put my money on he gets traded for the end of this season. Because you don't want an upset Jalen Ramsey in your locker room. But we're going to see what happens. But, yeah, so... That's it for another edition of Mets. Where else? I think I did a little bit more rambling today, going like kind of off topic there. But I hope I'm providing you with good information. Uh, any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me at Matt the Chosen Number One. I'm gonna go ahead and get this Twitter started for the Matt Sporthouse soon here. And so the best is always yet to come. And uh, thanks for listening.